Good afternoon. My name is Leela, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to the Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies' Beltway Briefing Series, The Road to the 2018 Midterm Elections. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call at copublicstrategies.com, as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. To submit live questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. Thanks, and thanks to everybody for joining us today. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford, and um, on our call, as always, is Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Uh, Mark Howard, great to be with you. Blake, Mark. Hey, Blake. Um, uh, there is there is a lot a lot to get to uh, today, um, but I'm I'm reminded of 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 two important numbers. One, there are 49 days till the election. Um, this seems to just be creeping along. Um, and second, it was 12 days ago that the anonymous op-ed was published and the political world seemed to come to a standstill. Who's even thinking about that anymore as fast as this cycle is moving, which is the reason why we're getting together with such frequency, um, because the world is, is ever-changing. Um, a, a lot I want to talk about, we've seen a lot of new data, a lot of a lot of dynamics developing out out in the states, but I I think we we need to touch in on the the issue of the day in Washington, which is the ongoing confirmation battle uh, of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, there have been some developments, uh, to say the least, um, and and those will those will certainly play out. The chairman of judiciary Chuck Grassley has said that um, both. Uh, both folks will testify uh, on Monday, um, but we still have a few days before before Monday. And I want to talk about the, I really want to talk about the politics of this. Um, and Mark, I want to I want to get your take first. What do you What do you sense um, is is the political dynamic um, surrounding Kavanaugh at this point? I know there is there there is a lot of a lot of concern about the allegations that have been made, but Kavanaugh was an unpopular nominee to begin with. What do you what do you sense as well, is politics role in all this? Yeah, to a point you made a minute ago, uh, I think it's a one in three that there isn't even a hearing on Monday. It's a long time until Monday. The way this is developing, and I don't. I don't think it's impossible at all. I think there's a one in three chance that Kavanaugh withdraws. And then the politics of it will be clearer uh, and will be better for the D's uh, and and not so good for the R's. Unless and until we get to a hearing and actually see what happens, it's hard to handicap. Both sides are in a tricky Place, but it's hard to see this being good for Republicans. It's hard to see the ending here that is good 
for Republicans on, on November 6th. Uh, I think Republicans thought that this was going to be an easy confirmation and that they would get a bounce. For sure, neither of those is true. But but real hard to see how anything good comes out of it for the R's, although until we see what develops, hard, hard to handicap. How, what are your thoughts about uh, what's going on with Kavanaugh? Don't forget what we're talking about here is actually the confirmation of a justice to the Supreme Court. That's <laughs> if, if a conservative gets on the court, um, that's good for Republicans. If the Senate flips and this gets dragged out and the Senate flips and, and a conservative does not get on the court, it's bad for Republicans. Yeah, it may have some – it certainly has the potential to have electoral implications on you know in November, but it's, that's not what this is really about. This is really about confirming a justice to the Supreme Court, and if conservative ultimately gets confirmed – that's good for Republicans. Mark Trump is is not in this in this debate, um, you know, in in ways that he has entered other other public yes. debates yet. That was, yep, <laughs> yeah. you, I, what time is it? Right, exactly. So, but we have not we have not heard from Trump, um, Mark, on this. Re- reports out of the White House suggest that that he's they're they're letting you know Kavanaugh you know fight this. Um, what are your, what's your make of, of Trump's silence at this point, and do you think it continues? Well, yet is the operative yeah. uh, amendment to what you said, as I heard Howard say, and I, I will be surprised if he has the discipline to continue it. But what it, what it means, let's just take a step back and recognize the extraordinary moment that we are in in American social and and political history uh, for this president not to be attacking this woman says a lot about where we are. And I think that whatever happens next, no matter what happens next, this is a pivotal moment and a marker on, on the trail towards towards gender equality and, and gender justice. It's a, it's a remarkable moment no matter what happens next. And even Donald Trump, I think, Mark, at least intuits it. Mark, what are you talking about? I mean, I honestly, like, I couldn't disagree more. This is some allegation from 36 years ago. It may or may not be true. Let's say it is. <laughs> Don't Let's not make it. It's about a confirmation to the to the Supreme Court, and the fact that Donald Trump isn't commenting is because thus far Donald Trump doesn't see a reason that to, to draw attention to himself in this context. It has nothing to do with the nature of the allegation. Trump will comment or not. I mean, he's made one comment, but he will comment or not based on whether. Um, he believes it's about Donald Trump or not, and he has the opportunity to attract attention to himself and and do himself good from a quote political point of view. I, I just I don't I think you're way over reading. You're the one that always says like there's no method to the madness. There's no method well, to the madness. Yeah. Like this is not about 
respecting the nature of the allegation? Well, we can disagree about that. I think that the fact that these hearings are going to be conducted, if in fact we get that far, I just think that the conduct of the Republicans from the president on down, with the exception, by the way, of Senator Hatch, I think it has been very different than it has ever been before. And I think that that is about where we are at this time and place in America. And I think it's a better time and place where we are. Now, what Trump I think it's about the confirmation of a justice to the Supreme Court of the United States and politics. It doesn't, it is not any commentary on, it's not any broader societal commentary. These people make decisions based on what they feel is in their political best interest and based on the fact that they want to get a justice on the Supreme Court. And look, these people don't care. If you're an R and and you're reasonably, look, the the Senate flipping or not to me is the pivotal issue. They, They want to get a justice on the Supreme Court. They don't care about Brett Kavanaugh. They care about their reelection and getting a conservative justice on the Supreme Court. That's that's the beginning and the end of it. Well, I'm not suggesting they care about advancing the revolution. All I'm suggesting is that where we are in this country at this time and place, it's it's necessary for people to behave out of character and to behave respectfully and silently, which is not the manner that they have ever treated issues like this in the past, going all the way back to Anita Hill. This hearing is not going to look like the Anita Hill hearing. With one exception, there are going to be only old white men on the Republican side. But can I I just... women on the Democrat side. Can I just... Let's juxtapose this with how many people, how many Democrats, including, including you, have said how angry they are with Kirsten Gillibrand for running Al Franken out of the United States Senate for for the for what she did in the context of of the allegations against Franken. Now, what's the difference? Well, the, the nature of the allegation, for one thing, is dramatically different, and there is a process that is being applied here, which did not happen <laughs> with Franken. And I, boy, I, to quote you, I couldn't disagree more that <laughs> there's any comparison between those two situations. Look, you and I are all for the societal changes and and we're not arguing about the importance of the of the issue i'm just saying at the end of the day it's about it for these people it's about politics kirsten gillibrand threw al franken under the bus because she thought it would help her get elected president of the united states these guys if they throw <clears throat> brett kavanaugh under the bus it's because they feel like it's going to help them get another conservative on the Supreme Court, and it's going to help them or, or not hurt them from an electoral point of view. It's, I just don't think we should overread the importance of this in terms of the forces in society right now. Yeah, but 
one thing that 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 certainly I think we have to we have to consider is is that there was slowing this down inviting a delay in the vote and knowing that the confirmation the hearing bringing Kavanaugh back inviting her to testify she um does does suggest that that the the sort of broader broader issues the broader societal issues aren't just sort of machiavellian politics they are they're a consideration that that lots of people had to had to take into account in calling for that delay which was a political could have potentially had political consequences um and so i wonder i wonder what you guys think about about you know if Kavanaugh's name is withdrawn hypothetically it, the clock is pretty much out on on getting another justice proposed and confirmed before the election so this seems to be it from a calendar from a calendar perspective so recognizing that to Howard's point of 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 this being purely about getting a conservative justice approved if Kavanaugh or bust, and the reason I'm going to say bust is what we're seeing with the Senate. But what do you guys make of that? I mean, is that is that what is? I just, what do you make of that? Before we'll the election or before January? I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess the I, the Don't if the demo, if, I'm sorry. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going at. Mark is. Let's. Let, Kavanaugh is is the guy that gets is the only nominee that can get through before the election. There's you're out of time. Right. No question. No yeah, question. you're out of right. time, right. right? No question. So right. then the question. So 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 now we're into if the Democrats take the Senate, do you sense that McConnell makes a move during the lame duck? Well, I, I think there's a. A prior step, which is I don't know that there's enough time even before the end of the year to get adjusted a potential justice vetted. Yeah, um, I was going to. I was where I was. Yeah, something I want to talk about too. The FBI vetting that takes place is. Well, I mean, I unless they've done it. Yeah, unless if they did it on, if Kavanaugh withdraws and a new name is uh, nominated immediately, there could be a vote by the end of the year on on that candidate and and we'll see we'll see what happens on election day i now we're back to uh, another theme of ours uh i i'd love to see a democratic senate uh but i i still think it's a long shot so if republicans hold the senate then they don't need to get it done by the end of the year right right but, for sure. I don't know that they could, though, Mark. I don't know that they could. I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't know that. I don't know that they. Don't know that they to be it's not cynical. the vote. It's the vetting. Yeah. I get it's to the be vetting. as cynical as you, which is I don't know that they can either, but they for sure would if they could. So it it is a matter of time and the vetting, and I don't know. I I don't know what 
what that timing is. But in terms, going all the way back to the beginning, Blake, in, yeah. if Kavanaugh does not make it, if he withdraws, and again, I'm, I'm giving that a one in three chance, uh, if he withdraws, these Senate races are going to be over the top, hot and and uh, everybody's voting on both sides. Everybody's voting on both sides if he doesn't make it. And that will be damn interesting. I actually think that is good for Democrats. I think if, you, if everybody votes, there are more Democrats than Republicans in, in, the ra- in some of these races. But... Mm-hmm. Not in all, but but the heat and intensity, the heat and light in the Senate races of Kavanaugh withdraws is going to be like nothing we we've seen yet. I think yeah, the more interesting thing is um, juxtaposition. That's my favorite word of the day. Um, of that against the gar- what what um, uh, McConnell did on Merrick Garland. Mm. I mean, we, I mean, we we talked about this before. I mean, it, it certainly McConnell has viewed a vacancy on the Supreme Court, the balance of power, as as being a mobilizer um, of his base. And Mark, I think you know, you just to sort of reiterate, I think a point you you know you just made. It's it, it everybody everybody shows up if Kavanaugh does does withdraw. You know, the 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 last bit of last bit of politics of this that. That I want to I want to touch in on before pivoting to to other subjects is um, you know one thing that that is is on my mind but I just wanted you guys can tell me whether it should or it shouldn't be is that we do have you know nearly a week before um, before new testimony and I wonder. At the end of the day, whether the Republicans or the Democrats benefit more, Mark, from the optics of that hearing, um, you know, I have a theory, but, um, you know, or is there a potential for just the mere, the mere fact that all the Republicans are white men questioning you know, a, wimp, a woman accusing a white man of sexual assault, um, does that optic, um, is that optic just going to be too much for the Republicans to bear? Well, it depends what it looks like. And I mean, literally what, what it looks like. It is going to look like you described, period, 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 because that's who's on the committee. But it depends how those members of the committee behave. If the white men on the Republican side, and I am expecting this will not happen. This is the point I was trying to make earlier. If the white men on the Republican side treat uh, this professor like Anita Hill, that's gonna, I don't think that's going to happen. That's going to be very bad optics, very bad optics for the Republicans. At the same time, if some of the some of the more aggressive and progressive members on that committee on the Democratic side, if they are seen as as attacking and and abusing Judge Kavanaugh, 
that's no good either. Everybody's got to behave at this hearing, and I actually, it to my surprise, I, I predict that they will. Uh, Howard, any, any lingering thoughts on that? No. No. Um, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, one, in, one in three chance that the hearing even happens, Mark. That's that's your prediction. That's my headline. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't think he makes it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I want to pivot. I want to pivot to um, something we haven't talked about a lot because there's been we've been consumed with with other other Trump news, but something that that I think is going to have a is is going to have a relationship out in out in the states, which is the ongoing tariff battle that that Trump has waged against China. We saw that Trump put tariffs on 200 billion and the Chinese responded with tariffs on 60 billion and Trump has now come back and threatened more tariffs on 267 billion. Um, there was, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about, about what these tariffs mean, particularly for the agricultural community. Um, and I wanted to, I, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know the headlines are, con are consumed with other issues, but you all have talked about through the course of our, through the course of our, our discussions, you know, the, 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 the local nature of some of these races. And Howard, I wanted to give you a chance just to weigh in. What do you, what do you sense about, about this, this tariff and trade war that's happening? Do you sense voters are, are, are getting a real feel for it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's hyper-local, Blake, as, as you said. Um, but I, I'm not sure, you know, everybody talks about it in the context of the industrial states versus the, um, the agricultural states. Um, I think there's a third dimension that um, isn't directly China-related, but that we should talk about. But, but just on the, on the agricultural versus industrial, I, I don't think that it, I think it helps Trump in places like Pennsylvania, um, in places like Indiana and Ohio, the industrial states, steel states. I think it, um, and I don't think it hurts them as much as people are saying it does in, in the agricultural states. I think that from people that I talk to in that world, they say that um, farmers have been highly irritated with China for a long, long time and have felt like China has um, skewed the, the ordinary course of, of business for them for a long, long time. And so, yes, it may have more of an immediate economic impact, but it's kind of like um, <clears throat> what caused people to go to the polls for Trump in 2016. They started off really really angry and and it you know they they're just they're carrying out their anger it almost doesn't matter whether it's good for them at the end of the day or not mm. they're they're so angry at china that um they're happy to see trump striking out a, against china the the hidden the hidden risk i think for the republicans is um in the border states mm. in places like like texas where uh will hurd is a republican congressman um, in Texas, um, was quoted the other day as, as very concerned about them because guess what? Uh, not, it's not again. This isn't China. This is NAFTA. NAFTA is good for the economy in, in those places. 
and and to the extent that Trump is undermining what's good for the economy in those places that could hurt a will hurt it could hurt a Ted Cruz in place so in places like Arizona Texas um, I think it could could be the law of unintended consequences yeah mark I mean I we're you know we are paying close attention to to you know both border states as Howard mentioned Texas but also you know, in in agri states through you know throughout the Midwest, a, a region you're you're very well, familiar with. Yeah, um, that's what I, I just want to give you a chance to react to that. Well, uh, let me talk about something that I do actually know something about, as opposed to what all three of us do for the most part on these calls. Uh, the economy of Indiana is heavily steel dependent, but it's not the production of steel; it's the purchase of steel and turning steel into auto parts. The leading product of Indiana isn't even agricultural, it's auto parts, and agriculture's a close second. These steel tariffs are driving up the price of steel and are putting a lot of pressure on the companies that buy steel and make stuff with it. And I think one of the things that is keeping Joe Donnelly in a race that he should otherwise be falling behind in, given Trump's popularity there 18 months ago, two years ago now, uh, one of the things is these tariffs. I really think, I don't think the president understands the steel economy. The steel jobs in Gary, Indiana aren't coming back because of these tariffs. All he's doing is putting pressure on the manufacturing base in Indiana. And I, I think it is going to hurt him. I think it's going to help Joe Donnelly, and I think it is going to hurt the Republicans. You know, it's, it's, a, you know it's, a, it's a good segue into, you know, into the data, which we like to talk about on, on these calls and sort of state of play of what's happening out in the country. Like I said, when we kicked off, we've got 49 days, um, which I'll admit seems like an eternity. Um, but be that as it may, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, you know, a couple of things that, that, that uh, we've seen develop since we were, since we were last together. One, it, it, it's, it's of no surprise strategically, but, you know, now that we're, we're on, we're sort of into that period where voters are really starting to wake up. I know a lot of the country has been awake, but are really starting to pay attention and focus on on what's going on. We're seeing Democrats, you know, mark uh, quadruple down on health care. Um, health care messages almost across the board from candidates to committees to, you know, interest groups. Um, Democrats are playing the health care card, um, and, and they're running hard on that issue. Um, and, and the money is sort of tracking tracking that issue. Um, I want to I, I want to get your reaction to that, Mark and Howard. Um, but also another very interesting staff that we we've started to, the Republican National Committee, briefing Trump on a regular basis, um, did a sampling of the electorate, and Trump's base is actually only a quarter of the electorate. We've been operating that maybe it was as high as. 30%, maybe kicking up to 33%, but it's it's a quarter of the electorate, um, which leaves obviously three quarters of the electorate that aren't 
diehard Trump Trump supporters, which I just thought was interesting. But let, let me I want to get your reactions to both that mark. But let's let's start with health care and then in the context of the broader broader Trump voter dynamic. Well, I think we've been saying on these calls, um, one of the things that I hate to agree with Howard on, but he's been saying it, and, and I certainly agree, health care is the issue. It is an economic issue, and it is not only the uh, strongest issue for Democrats th- this fall, it has been in the elections since Trump's uh, election two years ago, in, as we've said before, in the extraordinary results in Virginia and, and elsewhere last year. Health care is it. And, you know, somebody said, I don't remember who, so I'm going to steal the line without attribution. But Trump has done something Barack Obama could never do. Trump has made the Affordable Care Act popular. And people are running on it and running hard. And, and I think it's going to be a decisive issue in a lot of races this fall. All right, what do you think? Mark quoted me and agreed with me, so I think <laughs> I, ought to, I ought to rest my case. <laughs> yeah, I'm when furiously you looking for something wrong with that, but I can't find it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, we are, I want to touch in on, on some polling, just kind of top line it, and then you guys, you guys can tell me what's really standing out to you, but um, you know, the, of the you know, we're tracking a number of states, and and things are you know are are looking very good. And so the reason we depends where you sit, please. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Sorry, I was going to say for the Democrats, but I missed that part. Um, but but as we talked about, sort of the Kavanaugh the Kavanaugh confirmation in the context of the Senate dynamic and and what what may be to come, you know. Mark and Howard, good good trends for the Democrats. New poll out in Arizona, Democrat up seven. Tennessee, Democrats up five. Nevada, the Democrats up two. West Virginia, Joe Manchin's up 12. Montana, John Tester, the Democrats up two. Indiana, Donnelly's up six. And we don't have – I've been – Texas um, is, is still a margin of error race. But the one thing I would point out there, I mean, the crowds – that Beto O'Rourke is getting are just they're Obama like. And and I don't I don't I won't I won't suggest that, that that means anything, but he is running against Ted Cruz. Yeah. Um so you know we're uh, trend line is there. Howard, what's what's standing out to you today, forty nine days out when it comes to the Senate? Well Texas definitely is I mean look, people don't like Ted Cruz and the Republican Party and let's not forget how anti Trump he was he he ultimately came to the party but with a with a frown on his face in fact i rode the the plane with him out to uh uh out to cleveland for the republican convention in 2016 um he was flying commercial in the in the back of the plane i might add and uh he was he was not looking very happy um he he's you know he's not a trumpster and i think that dampens the you know trump's Net approval rating is is plus five in Texas, but I think it just dampens enthusiasm for Cruz. Also, one fact that I found interesting there is um, in both of the last two presidential elections where the Republican ended up, Romney and then Trump, uh, three points lower than they were polling going into the election, Mm -hmm. which I think is an interesting data point. Also, 
Uh, Romney won Texas by 16 points. Trump won Texas by nine points. So the trend line there, as opposed to a bunch of other states where you have a Republican incumbent, isn't isn't all that great for um, for Ted Cruz. So I see that as I think it's very flippable. Tennessee, I think that's a matter of candidate quality. Yeah. Um, I just don't. I think Bredesen's a good candidate, and Blackburn is not as good a candidate. And I think I think that's a candidate quality thing. Arizona, Trump's net approval rating is minus two. Um, Romney won Arizona by nine points in in twelve. Trump won by three points in sixteen. These are not good trend lines for the, for the Republicans. So I think there are a couple of states where you can actually flip a uh, a, a Republican seat. Three, Mark, actually. Yeah. Well, three. Yeah. Mark. Mark. What are your thoughts three. on the Senate? I mean, you. you well, still, there are there are ten. The Democrats have to net two. Got a net two to take the Senate. There are ten competitive races, and six of them are Democrat, and four of them are Republican seats. So do the math. The problem, the challenge, not impossible, depending on how Kavanaugh and other things go, maybe even achievable. <laughs> but but the Democrats have to win eight of those. 10 seats for this to net out for them. So, yeah, great. Let's flip Arizona. Let's flip Nevada. Let's flip Tennessee. Let's flip Texas. But then you got to hold North Dakota, Florida, Missouri, Montana, West Virginia, Indiana. You flip, flipping those only works if if you hold all of yours. No. And it it's hard. It's hard. I, I think so. Florida, Trump has a positive net approval rating and Nelson is not as strong. I think Scott's a stronger, stronger <laughs> candidate. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. To yeah. Be, yeah. But I mean, I was going to, I was going to say, it seems like the, you know, as uh, you know, as you think about not necessarily narrowing the map because so, I mean, these races, I mean, a, a two point race is a statistical tie at this point, And there, there, there are several of those. Um, but, but in terms of, uh, you know, building on, uh, you know, where the kind of where the state is and where where it's really difficult uh, for Democrats to win. I mean, very difficult, you know, in, in North Dakota, right. difficult, difficult race um, there for the Democrats. And Missouri, even though, you know, we she has been really, really savvy um Senator McCaskill's also had some luck in the past right. that has that has been helpful to her. She is running against the AG there. Um, you, you thought maybe she would, you know, catch catch that luck again with the turmoil in the Republican governor's office and and what that might mean. But but he did resign, get out of the way, and and I'm not sure how potent that that issue is generally or whether it whether it really will. Will attach to 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 the AG. So, two two tough races there on top of Florida, Howard. The thing is that and Montana, I mean, Blake, and and John Tester. Yeah, but yeah, Mark. We'll come back to it. I want to. I want to. I know Howard's got some some thoughts on North Dakota, Montana, but I mean North Dakota, Missouri, but Montana just. It's, I know he's. I know he's got a strong opponent, Mark, but 
it, it you know Howard was very quick to say the tester's going to win, so so we'll we'll take him at his word. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think he's a good. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. I, was, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think we're well, right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the that's the point. Like, look at Tennessee. You've got a tie, or Brett is an up, and Trump's net approval rating is is plus nineteen in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So it just shows you candidates actually still matter. Donald Trump is not on the ballot. I think he will have an impact, um, but but the the candidates matter. But if Mike Camp, yeah. if Mike Camp, McCaskill, and Nelson lose their jobs, there's no path. There aren't enough seats to flip, even if Beto no pulls off a miracle no in Texas. So it, it's well, Donnelly. I'm, I'm rooting for it. I'm working for it. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. One in three. One in three. <laughs> you're, man, you're just you're just going to play the, the those odds across the board today, huh? I, yeah, I mean, I, I look where he is. Yeah, <laughs> I um, yeah, the, the, that's that, I mean, that's really the, I mean, that's the that's the state of play in, in the Senate. I think they're they're the path it, in terms of again trend lines to Howard's point um, appears to be getting a little better for the Democrats, but we got forty nine days to go. No, it's definitely. I think yeah. it's definitely better. Um, even though I may not be thrilled about it, but I, but I think there's, I think, I know I keep mentioning this, New Jersey, um, my home state, I think, I think Menendez is another vulnerable Democrat. Well, it, latest poll only has him up six. Six um, in, in, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an, and it's an, it, it, it's, it's an interesting year all around because we, you know, I'm going to talk about a few governorships too, as we. So we kind of wind down our discussion today, but but uh, in these governor's races, you're looking at you know whether it's Maryland, Massachusetts, Georgia, Florida, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, all very interesting and different dynamics. Republicans are gonna are, appear poised to just clean up in a couple. Right. Democrats are really competitive in 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 the others. So I, I thought I, we might just kind of end end today talking about some of those key governorships that, that you guys are paying attention to? Well, it, it's something we should spend a bunch of time on in a future call because, I I mean, I think it is um, just amazing to me. It's amazing to me that look at Maryland and Massachusetts, two states with Republican governors um, that are blowing away the, in the polls their Democratic opponents. So you've got you've got those two states, and and they're both not pro-Trump to anti-Trump. The the sitting governors, they're both incumbents, obviously. Um, but then look at that compared to Georgia and Florida, where you've got a red state and a purple state, and <clears throat> very left of center Democratic nominees running <laughs> neck and neck or ahead of. Of Republicans now, you've got maybe that has something. Maybe that has something to do with Trump, um, because you've got very pro-Trump, very right-wing um, Democrats. But I mean Republicans rather. But okay. it's I don't know. I 
it, that just shows what it says to me is this is it's all about the, it's all about who's running. Yep. Mark, what are you all your thoughts about? We say it. We say it every week. I'll say it again. All politics is local, and candidates matter. Uh, Massachusetts and Maryland, you got two good governors. People like the job that they've been doing, and they are hard, hard anti-Trump. So I'm not surprised to see those those guys ahead, neck and neck in Georgia and Florida, because you got hardcore. Trumpsters on the Republican side, and you have uh, hard charging at, at least uh, minorities on the Democratic side. I, I think uh, it's worth, as Howard said, spending a little time in, in another call on not only the gubernatorial uh, elections, but just just as an overview, just a flyover on on the state, some of the state legislatures that could flip. It. If there is, in fact, a blue wave and 49 days is way too far out to see a wave coming, but if there is, in fact, a blue wave, flipping those state houses is a, is a big deal, is a big deal, and, and there are a number of places where, where that could happen as well. So to, to be continued on, on that, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I hear you. We'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely do that because we've also got. I mean, just to kind of touch on and, and wrap us up. I mean, we've got a competitive governor's race in Arizona on top of the Senate race. Um, you've got a, a a governor's race in Michigan. Um, the AG, who's a Republican, is on. Yeah, and um, the Democrats way ahead in Klobuchar is is way ahead in that Senate race. Um, you've got a competitive governor's race in Oklahoma, um, which is which is uh, fascinating. So there's there's a lot to lot to deconstruct on on the governor's side, and, and we'll certainly come back to it because because those dynamics certainly in some of the states that we've talked about on the Senate side, and then and and that's we haven't even touched on the House today, but there's just there's there's always a lot of ground to cover. I want to go all the way back to the very, very beginning today, and and I don't think Howard's going to tell me he couldn't disagree more strongly on this one, but, but what a world where the anonymous op-ed was the center of the universe for a couple of days, and I had many people tell me that that was going to outlive the news cycle and was going to be an issue on November 6th, and was going to backfire and boomerang on on the Democrats. And here, you know, here we are, uh, not even a week later, and it's time. gone. It's yeah. gone. By the times, and I, I yeah. think when when all the dust settles in November on November 6th, it probably won't settle on November 6th. It'll probably settle on November 7th or. January 1st or whenever, because this isn't going to be, um, there are going to be some very, very, very close contests. But it's, it's to me, it's going to be even more interesting than, than 2016, because it isn't going to be exactly, it's not going to be what we expect. It's going to be some conglomeration of wins and losses that are different than what we can foresee sitting here right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and 
uh, obviously we'll con we'll continue to 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 study it closely, but um, I, I wonder I, <laughs> I wonder what the profile of of you know the Florida voter is going to look like the day after election day. Is a you know did they vote for Trump? Did they vote for Rick Scott? But then did they vote for for Gillum? I mean I I think I'll be real interested to see how right. how voters yep. decide yep. what 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 they're going to do in, in across across the board and what their preferences were from 16 to 18. Yep. Well, they're going to they're going to they're going to listen to the last Beltway briefing and then decide. We know That's that. exactly right. They're going to they're going to they're going to vote the way you tell them to vote, Mark. Well, Howard already told us how many seats that we're picking up in the House. I, I should have written down the numbers, but <laughs> but didn't you already? Told we had, what was it? Forty, maybe we'll take that. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, we're back. Um, we'll, we'll be back together on September 24th. Um, I, I don't even. I'm not even gonna gonna bother with with suggesting what what will be front and center um, that day. But we will certainly be back. I want to thank you guys as always um, for joining us. I certainly want to invite um, anyone who's who's listening now or 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 later if you have comments or questions criticisms of the moderator. I haven't urged people to send those in in a while. Um, presidential analysis at Cozen.com. Um, Mark Howard, I I, um, I look forward to the next one. That's that's about all I can say. And <laughs> I want to and I want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Blake. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation, and we ask that you please disconnect your lines.